Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. What I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Tuesday edition of the program underway. I tell you what, it's been March sadness for Indiana fans. Miami has had the Hoosiers number on Sunday night, knocking the men out of the NCAA tournament in the second round. And then on Monday, last night, knocking the IU women out in the second round. And I'll tell you, the IU-Miami men's game was fairly even, I thought, at least heading into the game. The IU women and Miami women, IU playing at home with the season that they've had, Miami a nine seed, Uh, the IU women the big favorite, and they could not get it done. It was a physical and often ugly game last night. Indiana women, a historic season, a great year, uh, but it came to an end way too early. I really, really felt like that this Indiana women's team would get to the Final Four. The first thing I was curious about when the brackets came out on the women's side was where would they meet South Carolina? Would it be in a semifinal, a national semifinal game, or would it be in the NCAA Women's Championship game? And obviously the best-case scenario is probably the actual championship game itself. You can get at least a step further because I really believe, and again, I've not watched a ton of college basketball on the women's side this year outside of Indiana, and I pay a little attention to Louisville and Coach Walls as well, but I really felt like Indiana would get to South Carolina, and that would probably be their last game at what whatever point that was. So surprised, uh, disappointed. I can't imagine the feeling by the team uh, and players and coaches last night to get booted from the NCAA tournament as a number one seed in the second round is tough enough. But the way the women's tournament is structured for it to happen on your own home court in front of a ton of your fans um, is really hard to believe. And Louisville did the same thing last night. It wasn't a one seed they beat, but they beat a really good Texas team at home, uh, a minor upset, I guess you would call it. So it does happen in the women's game. But, boy, that home court advantage in the postseason, especially when you've got the kind of environment that Indiana does, uh, definitely uh, goes a long way. But not long enough last night for the IU women as they fell 70-68 in overtime. And hate to see the career of some of those ladies come to an end but specifically Grace Berger. She's kind of been, I think, uh, who we cheer for, uh, her connections to Southern Indiana and to New Albany and to the Catholic community here. And also, of course, she uh, played at Sacred Heart in Louisville, won a state championship, highly successful there. Uh, So, you know, just hate to see it come to an end for her. You wonder what her future in basketball looks like, what's next for her. And you really wonder about the IU women's program. They're going to lose a lot from this year, but Coach Morin uh, has now turned IU into a very legitimate and very consistent 
uh, women's basketball, women's college basketball program. So I really thought coming off of the Sunday loss for the men, and I told a number of people this. In fact, I said it on the radio yesterday, but I really told a number of people that, all right, this week, these next couple weeks, we're going to really focus on the women. Uh, Probably should have been giving them more attention than what they got on this show and elsewhere so far this season. I really never thought that a loss on Monday night to Miami was possible. So obviously a big disappointment there. But it is what it is. The IU men's and women's seasons are now over, and uh, that's what it is. It's on to the postseason for them. It's on to the transfer portal. It's on to recruiting. It's on to thinking ahead to IU and the Big Ten Conference both ways for next year. And obviously for the men, I think there's a lot of holes to fill and a lot of questions to be answered about next season. Now, we're going to find out a lot in the coming months with the transfer portal. It's already moving and shaking. There's tons of activity already, but uh, definitely going to find out more about that and what Indiana's needs are as people maybe announce their departures from the program and then, of course, find out uh, maybe what they're uh, what they able are able to add and land. And the transfer portal can go quick. You can get some big names. Uh, Indiana's a program with Mike Woodson and his NBA connections that I think is capable of getting some big-name players from the portal. So we'll just see how it all unfolds. But it definitely, I think for the men and for the women, happened much quicker this March. We've gotten to this point of postseason at least a week early for the men, uh, a few days early for the men, and really I think a couple weeks early for the women. I thought that we'd be talking about IU women's basketball for the next few weeks. But it is what it is, and uh, that's a wrap on things for 22-23 in this college basketball season from an IU perspective. The great news is we've got March Madness still ahead. We've got the Elite Eight, or I should say the Sweet 16, followed by the Elite Eight. We've got the Final Four, the National Championship game. we got the high school basketball state championship games coming up on Saturday. So still plenty of basketball ahead. But the first real dose of reality that I have, that basketball season is coming to an end, is when Indiana is eliminated from the tournament because it's what we talk about every day. It's what we know. It's uh, it's just what we do this time of year. And so when they are eliminated, especially both, uh, that's step number one, that basketball season is ending, and it's ending quickly. Step number two is when the national championship games are both completed, you realize that, okay, high school is over, uh, college is now over for the year, and we've got NBA, which I like in the playoffs – we talk about it a little bit more in the playoffs on this show, but it just it's just not it's just not there. I'd rather talk about transfer portal and recruiting and catch up on local things that we maybe have bypassed over the course of a busy basketball season. But uh, yeah, those are reality. Uh, last night and Sunday for sure, as our basketball season is uh, just took a big step toward uh, closing out for this. Uh, 22-23 window, that's for sure. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. We'll have a look at some headlines from last night, a little bit more on the women's game. Rick Patino is headed to St. John's. That is very interesting. Uh, if you listen to this show, you know that when it comes to on the court and recruiting and those sorts of things, I really like Rick Patino. I can't say that I like some of the -the off-the-court things that have been rumored or mentioned in his past years. But I'm glad to see him back at the high major level of college basketball. And I would bet that he makes St. John's a winner. And with the portal and with recruiting uh, in the Big East, 
I think that it'll probably happen quicker than what even some think. I think that he will have St. John's this offseason. I know nothing about their team or their record or, or any of their players that could return or could not return, but if I was a betting person, I would bet that St. John's takes major leaps uh, this offseason and, of course, next season as well. So pretty neat to see Rick Pitino back in the college game at the high level. Uh, we'll do that. We'll talk about the high school state championship games coming up this Saturday as well. Uh, here in the first segment. Later in the show, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. He always is with me on Tuesdays. We'll recap the IU women's game last night. We'll talk about Mike's thoughts on the end of the IU men's season as well. So we'll cover a lot of IU stuff with Mike in an extended segment today. And that's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We got a, a boatload of texts yesterday. I love it. Love hearing from you. Love hearing about IU. Uh, that doesn't have to stop just because the IU season is over. We want to talk about March Madness. We'll preview the games coming up for this week. We'll uh, continue to talk about it at a, at a very fast rate, that's for sure. It's a great time of year. So your texts are still welcome always at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. I've had a couple of people say, you know what, how's the text line work? Just save the number in your phone. And send me a text. It's just uh, just like texting anybody. You can catch me during this hour at that number. And I do my best to get almost all of them on the air, as long as you don't say anything crazy. And sometimes I'll even simmer them down a little bit and still read them on the air. So love to hear from you today and get your thoughts on IU and the, the women as well and uh, local sports and everything. If you're looking for an icy cold thirst quencher, to keep your day going in the right direction. Right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's and send us a text, 502-414-1450. All right, let's get into some headlines from last night. Obviously, the IU women, uh, shocking upset, the career of uh, of uh, Grace Berger and others uh, come to an end, came to an end last night. But let's go back uh, and just think about the close of that game. Chloe Moore McNeil, she had a nice drive to the basket. I don't know if she got too far under the basket or what the exact situation was, but she pounded it off the glass, and it looked like an easy layup, at least in the first angle on television watching it live, and it didn't even hit the rim. It basically ricocheted off of the other side of the backboard and I think Miami got the rebound at that point. Then Grace Berger coming out of a timeout. I thought she got a pretty good look at it right in the center of the paint. She kind of stepped through and went up with it. And if I remember right, the shot kind of swirled around the rim. It went in and out. No good. So I thought Indiana really got two good looks at it. And amazingly enough, as bad as I thought Indiana played in that game, that they were able to keep it close and have a chance, although they had never led there until the very end of the ball game. I still thought with their backs against the wall, this team was kind of destined at home to find a way to get the victory, and they just couldn't. So 
disappointing loss, and you're right there on the brink of taking the lead and winning that game, even though you trailed basically the whole game and, and weren't playing good. Uh, but, yeah, couldn't, couldn't get it done. And I really felt like when it went to overtime that Indiana would definitely get it then, that something would click and um, they would would inch out at least enough for the victory, and, and that didn't happen. So just a disappointing way to end the season at home in a second-round NCAA tournament game for sure. Uh, did not see that one coming. I know that upsets can happen. Stanford just got knocked off the other night. Uh, it's possible. It's possible to lose at home. It happens more than what you might think uh, in a um, in the col- in the uh, women's college basketball game. But definitely did not see last night coming. I thought this Indiana team was at minimum a Sweet 16 Elite 8 team, and I really felt like, as I said at the start of the show, I really felt like they had a chance to uh, to get to the Final Four. I do want to mention, though, that despite how heartbreaking last night was, still was a really historic season for women's basketball in Bloomington. Obviously, the Big Ten Championship is a huge deal. The team did kind of falter in the Big Ten Tournament. They did not play well early and ended up getting knocked out of the tournament. So um, that's interesting uh, as well uh, to, to know that they did accomplish some history this year. But I think in general what I'll leave this season with, even more so than some of the IU women and their deep runs to the tournament, is the fact that uh, IU ba- women's basketball is in a good shape, and, and I think women's basketball here locally is in a really good position. Uh, the, there's some good high school girls teams in our area, our area has won some state championships, and of course, Louisville women, they have kind of led the way as far as top flight college basketball women's teams, and uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see if uh, if Indiana can continue that path with Louisville and, and stay right there to help lead this area in being a good uh, area for women's college basketball as well. High school basketball, a couple things to mention, state tournament, state championships are this week. You know, I mentioned yesterday there's not really much local interest at all. Normally we've got a team in it, and often when we don't have a team, there's somebody from, oh, a similar conference or a familiar conference at least, uh, somebody just down the road a little bit that you can get behind. But that's not the case this year. The 1A championship game, Indianapolis Lutheran, I think, is the big favorite there. Indianapolis Lutheran, 19-7. and seven. Uh, They will take on Southwood, who is 15-12. Southwood, another example of a team that got hot in the state tournament. They did not have a great record entering the tournament. Still really don't have a great record now, but they are going to play for a 1A state championship. Of course, it's hard to think of Indianapolis as a southern school. I mean, who would think Indianapolis Lutheran would be considered the south entry in the 1A state championship game on Saturday, but they are. They came through the Washington semi-state on Saturday, and they'll, I think, be the front-runner to win 1A coming up uh, in just a few days. 2A state championship game, also in the morning session on Saturday, Fort Wayne Blackhawk Christian. Seems like they are always there, 26-3, and a very good team. They take on a really good Linton-Stockton team that is 29-1 and on the season. Linton Stockton is a very interesting story. Joey Hart, the coach, obviously, uh, is is not there. He's suspended. Not sure what his future will be like. He recently, just before the semi-state weekend, was arrested for his second DUI that has happened in this season, in this 22 season for Linton Stockton. But they are playing good basketball. They knocked out a really good Brownstown team in the semi-state on Saturday and will play for the 2A championship and are the favorite 
to win that 2A championship on Saturday. Also in 3A, Garen Catholic, another Indianapolis school that came out of the South. They came out of the Seymour Semi-State. They will take on a good Northwood uh, team, Northwood 27-2. Garen Catholic is really good, but they're 20-8. and They play such a good schedule in the Indianapolis area. I think that 3A game, even though there's no local entry at all, will be a good one. And then the 4A championship, I'm looking forward to this one more than any. Ben Davis is 32-0. Coach Carlisle has the Giants rolling, and they're going to take on Kokomo, who's had a good year, 24-4. and And, of course, Flory Bedunga is the standout for the Wildcats. Everybody wants to see him. I've seen him online and seen him in some highlight stuff, but looking forward to watching him in a state championship game coming up on Saturday night against undefeated Ben Davis. That should be fun. And I think Chad Gilbert said this yesterday on our show. You can bet that every college coach who is not at the NCAA tournament does not have a team playing still. They're going to be at Gainbridge Fieldhouse for that. So Woodson, Painter, Cal, um, anybody that's anybody that's after Badunga, it's going to be a packed house of college coaches coming up for that Ben Davis-Kokomo game on Saturday night. So that's going to be fun. Let's get to the Thornton's text line for just a moment. Texter says, what do you think of Walter stepping down at Floyd Central, and who do you think they should hire next? Uh, surprised anytime someone is just there for a season, it's surprising to see uh, an opening happen. So surprising is would be my immediate reaction to his uh, one-year tenure at Floyd Central. And as far as who's next, it's hard to answer that as well because I really felt like when Floyd Central job came open after Todd Sturgeon that they would be absolutely bombarded with resumes and interest from across the state. And I don't have all the details or know all the applicants or anything like that, but I don't think they got the interest that I thought they might. And Floyd Central is a big school, a growing school, great athletic program overall, Um, just a school that some people have referred to as the Carmel of the South as they continue to get bigger and bigger. I thought maybe that the next person that would come in would would be someone from out of the area. Uh, That wasn't the case. So I really have no idea. I've heard some names Nothing substantial enough to mention on this show. We'll see how it plays out. You can bet that Jeff Sequera, though, is uh, doing everything he can to recruit the best and brightest that he can get to Floyd Central. He cares deeply about Floyd Central athletics and Floyd Central basketball and that community. And I have a lot of respect for him as an athletic director here in the area. So I think that he'll go after the best candidate that he possibly can get in that job. Texter also says that who should New Albany go with if you've got time? We've always got time. Uh, I don't know. Uh, That's an interesting situation. There's talent there uh, in the future. There could be a couple rough uh, seasons maybe at New Albany. Uh, in between that and all the talent, if everybody in the middle school group stays together, together as you think that they would. Uh, I've heard from a lot of friends across the state that have either applied or been called about the job, and uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think that New Albany has some opportunity to maybe get a big name there uh, that would be familiar in high school basketball, and I do know that interviews have Uh, I believe, started for that job. So we should hear something maybe in the next couple weeks, which will be really interesting. So New Albany and Floyd both open in the same year. Last year, Jeff and Floyd were both open. Uh, That obviously is is interesting. And I guess when two come open at the same time, you know, does the New Albany job being open uh, hurt Floyd Central or vice versa? That's something interesting to think about as well. So 
um, obviously, um, you know, we'll see. But it's always interesting to see how these high school jobs play out, especially a job like New Albany that has not had the turnover uh, for 25 years now. And uh, just, just, just to see who all is interested uh, in it, that's for sure. Um, one other text message from the Thornton's text line. Texter says, I'm trying to not be too dramatic, but I really feel like this season was a huge letdown. And even worse, what was working for us is leaving. And at this point, there is zero replacement for our departures. So I get it. Um, this was an opportunity Indiana had to make a deep run to get to the Sweet 16 or maybe even some uh, thought the Final Four. Uh, it did not happen. They are going to lose some very key pieces. The only good news for Indiana fans, I think, is the transfer portal um, look at what Louisville's doing right now. Look at what schools in the past have done. As you watch some of these NCAA tournament games, there are teams that are uh, moving on that maybe a lot of their roster was completely different this season than last season because of the portal. So it's possible to add a lot and add really good players. And one thing I do have confidence, I don't, I don't want to say it that way. I have a lot of confidence overall in Coach Woodson, but I really have a lot of confidence in his ability with all of his connections. He and Kenya Hunter, Yasir Roseman especially, have a lot of confidence in who they will be able to pull out of the transfer portal. I think Indiana will be in there with some of the biggest names that hit the portal this offseason. That's just a gut feeling. Thanks for the text. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with segment two and a conversation with Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Tuesday program. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Got a couple other texts to get to, and I'll do that a little bit later in the program. If you've got a question on IU or you want to sound off about the IU men or women, you can send a message now, 502-414-1450. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier is with me. And, Mike, I tell you what, Miami has got Indiana's number, a Sunday night win over the men, a Monday night major upset at home over the IU women. Did not see that coming, especially the Monday night win by the Miami women. Wow, I'm kind of in a little bit of disbelief. It's like a hurricane swept through IU athletics over the last 48 hours. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm with you 100%, especially on the women's side. That one was, you know, very hard to see coming. I thought Miami, you know, you, you do, you, you always hear coaches say you got to give them credit, but, but you really do. I, I thought that they just came out and were the aggressor. Um, I, I go back to that loss that the IU women had to Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament where they, you know, Ohio State was the aggressor in the second half, and I, I you know, I didn't hear anybody say this last night, but I got to believe Miami saw that on film and, and maybe saw a way that you could 
maybe rattle Indiana a little bit if if you really brought the aggression to them and took them out of what they wanted to do. And I, I thought they really did that from the opening tip last night. And that coupled with, you know, I think Mackenzie Holmes just wasn't quite right. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure that she has like a a injury, so to speak, but she definitely was dealing with something over the last couple of weeks, wasn't practicing, wasn't really, you know, getting game type reps. And uh, I, I just don't think she was quite there. Uh, and, and I think those two factors really contributed to what was, you know, nothing short of a stunning upset when you consider the seeds consider the fact that it was a, basically a home home game for the number one seed in the round of 32. Mike, I tell you, Indiana women, and I tried to do the best I could for my memory to go through it last night, but they got some really good looks late in the game uh, that they just could not capitalize on. Grace Berger, right in the center of the paint, stepped through and just couldn't get the shot to go. Their previous to that was another really good lay-in uh, that just didn't fall and was overshot too hard off the glass. But Indiana had their chances despite how bad they played and despite how out of the game they got. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think you hit the, the two that really st- stood out in my mind. Um, it was clear that, that Terry Morin drew up a play for Graceberger, wanted the ball in her hands, and as we've seen dozens of times in her career, you know, late game, Graceberger in the mid-range, you can count on it. It's money, but, but it, as you said, it didn't go, go down a hit back rim. Uh, Chloe Moore McNeil, you know, at least on television, I wasn't there. Seth was there for us last night, but it, it looked like a wide open layup. She may have been anticipating contact. I, I'm not sure exactly, um, but you know, missed a wide open layup, pretty pretty bad. And yeah, the, the, those two stood out. Um, you know, I'm not sure what happened in the last three seconds. Looks like Chloe you know, maybe wasn't aware of the clock or just, you know, again, Miami's pressure was bothering them all night. So, um, yeah, just a a really, really tough way to to see them go out. Um, But, you know, I'd say in both cases, you know, know, Sunday night and Monday night, Miami looked to me like the team that deserved to win the game. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, we're talking about the IU women from last night. Uh, I guess the low-hanging fruit, the easy question when a season comes to an end like the men did on Sunday, the women did last night, what's the quick glance ahead? I mean, just like the men, this IU women's team, uh, it was set up to be a special season, even more so than the men. A lot of people thought they would make it to the Final Four. They would have to take on a very good South Carolina team if the seeds and the brackets all held up. But some of these uh, ladies are seniors. Some of them will not be back. There's an active transfer portal as well in women's college basketball as well. So what's the future of IU women's basketball as far as talent and returning players for next season? I mean, they're set up pretty well, assuming that they themselves don't lose anyone to the portal, which you don't, of course, you never know until it happens. But uh, they've had a pretty good record of their core staying together here, here of late. Um uh, the, the only significant rotation player that that is definitively gone is is Grace Berger, and, and that's you know that's saying something significant. I mean, she's been a star of this team for five years, um, and you know they did. You could tell when she was injured during the season that that they did take a step back. I mean, she's just she did, she did so much for the program, not just as a scorer, but as a facilitator, a rebounder. Uh, she had multiple triple doubles last year. She's just a player that, that does so much. But 
on the, at the same time, she is the only main rotation piece they are projected to lose right now. Um, so, you know, a combination of, you know, younger players coming up, uh, they got a couple freshmen coming in, and they've got space on the roster from a scholarship standpoint that they can go out into the portal and, you know, whatever needs that, that, that Morin feels like that they have. You know, she did a fantastic job last year of, of addressing needs in the portal, bringing in uh, Sydney Parrish, Sarah Scalia. If they can go in and, and find that, that piece, to me, it, I think it's a it's a true point guard. You know, they, they had Chloe Moore McNeil in that spot. They had Grace Berger in that spot. Uh, I think they're both more than capable of playing point guard, but you saw when teams pressured them, like Ohio State and like Miami, uh, that they did struggle a little bit because, you know, a true point guard is somebody that kind of embraces that pressure and, and attacks it, and I'm not sure that, that either one of those two were that type of player, so that might be where they go. Uh, but I don't think anyone's asked that question yet. But, but uh, you know, I think, you know, assuming no major losses to the rotation and they may be addressing the or two in the portal, I think they're a team that's right back there in the uh, winning the Big Ten Final Four contender type conversation because you do have Mackenzie Holmes back. All right, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest. Mike, uh, the women out is a big disappointment, I really felt like, and I think a lot did that their season would continue on. How how rare is it? And I know that Stanford got beat the other night. I know Louisville uh, knocked off Texas on their home floor. But is this a common thing to see? And I just haven't watched and followed enough uh, historically women's college basketball. Is it common to see uh, these top seeds or higher seeds get beat on their home floor? Is that something that happens on a regular basis? Because it seems like the home court advantage this year, at least so far in the tournament, or through these first two rounds when it exists has not necessarily always been a big help. Yeah, I don't have any numbers to, to back me up on it, but I, I've got the same sense as you that, you know, I, I've always felt like the women's tournament has been a little bit more, you know, chalked than the men's. You don't see the big early round upsets, you know, probably in large part because of the, the home court situation in, in the first two rounds. Um, but also, to me, the the women's game has always seemed like, you know, that top group of, you know, 10, 12 teams has just been, you know, a step above everybody else, and they don't really uh, get knocked off, and you do tend to, to get the, the top seeds advancing into the Elite Eight. Um, but, yeah, this year, you know, two of the number ones are already gone, getting beat on their home court, including, unfortunately, Indiana. So, you know, I don't know if, if something's changing in that regard, or maybe I've just misunderstood the, w- the way it's happened in the past, but you know, definitely as it relates to Indiana, that's where we're at. All right, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. Let's transition to the men's team. Uh, obviously, disappointment with that as well. The team just came out slow. Uh, Miami just seemed very aggressive. Their guards were good, caused Indiana lots of problems. Uh, your, your takeaway, I know we spent a lot of the show Monday reviewing the uh, men's loss to Miami as well on Sunday night, but your takeaway from the the men's disappointing loss uh, to end their season? Yeah, I think they ran into their kryptonite a little bit. You know, a, a quick athletic team has given Indiana problems a lot of the year. You know, you think back to like a Northwestern with a Boo Boo and a Chase Audige, uh, you know, Iowa with Tony Perkins. They had trouble staying in front of quick guards, um, you know, 
that was clearly the case against Miami. I thought Miami was just a more uh, quick, athletic team, and they, they got to spots on the court where they wanted to go and just gave Indiana trouble. The, the, the thing that really stunned me about that game was offensive rebounding uh, by Miami. Just from the standpoint, you know, you look at the raw numbers, Miami was a middle-of-the-pack offensive rebounding team uh, coming into the game. Um, and, and Indiana, up until the tournament, hadn't really had you know, consistent trouble giving up offensive rebounds. They had some bad games here or there you know, against Purdue, certainly. that They had some problems, which a lot of teams did against Purdue because they were a great offensive rebounding team. But there was nothing to foretell that, that Miami was going to, to have that kind of effectiveness on the offensive glass, and that was really the entire game. You know, 20 offensive rebounds and 29 points off those offensive rebounds. But that's almost impossible to overcome because you're just giving Miami so many possessions, um, and they're a good team that, that was already giving Indiana trouble uh, in, the, in the half court. So that, that, to me, is where the game really turned. And, you know, I think it just exposed Indiana's weakness out on the wing, which was, to me, where, where they were most vulnerable the entire year defensively. You know, it, it's it's one of those things that it's easy to, you know, point back to Xavier Johnson and people say it's an excuse or, or whatever the, the perspective might be. But I really think you know, this was a team that was built on defense. Um, you know, you, you think about last year that they they really got under people and guarded people with, you know, Galloway and Tennessee and Xavier Johnson on the perimeter. I think they thought they could do that again, you know, subbing in Huchifino for Tennessee. I think it turned out that Jalen Huchifino wasn't quite the defender that, that Rob Tennessee was. And you take Xavier Johnson out of the equation, you run into teams like, Miami or some of the others that I mentioned, and they just couldn't kind of, you know, put their stamp on people the way that they, you know, wanted to. And, you know, you, when you have, you know, Trace Jackson Davis maybe having an inefficient game, you have others, you know, unable to produce at a high level, you're just going to kind of run into a bus all like they did. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, talking about IU men's basketball now. Mike, I want to get your overall thoughts on who's still left and what's ahead. Uh, you got to pick at this point. Number one is your pick alive to win the tournament, or like my pick is yours already been eliminated. Uh, and number two, what do you think about this weekend's games, and is your pick still alive? Who Who is your pick at this point if your original pick is not alive? <laughs> I hate that you asked that and exposed me on live radio. <laughs> uh, I'll say that my, my bias, uh, was if impacted by Indiana because I, I saw how good Arizona looked uh, way back in December, and I thought, man, that's a team that just, you know, they've got size, they've got skill out on the perimeter, um, you know, they've got skilled bigs. I, I really thought that that was going to be a team that, that could, could make a run, and they were the, probably the first big upset of the tournament. And as happens, you know, Almost every year, going back to my childhood, I'm just terrible at picking a bracket. I think I've gotten worse over the years because I've become so laser-focused on Indiana that I don't have a good perspective on kind of the national theme. So <laughs> my, my bracket has, is dead, has been dead for days. Um, haven't even looked at it, uh, really. Um, you know, the, thinking 
thinking about the Sweet 16 going forward, you know, here we are again, and I don't know if this is a, another question that you want to talk about, but here we are again with one Big Ten team in the Sweet 16. Um, but that's, you know, again, because I'm kind of narrowly focused, that's one of the things that clearly stands out to me is that, you know, we, we have, we've had this theme for years now that the Big Ten has not performed well in the NCAA tournament. You know, eight teams this year, uh, only one advanced to the Sweet 16. Some of that is, of course, you know, seeding. You know, not too many of them were expected to go to the Sweet 16. Certainly Indiana was, certainly Purdue was, but they're both out. Michigan State, kind of that, that team that always does well in March, and I guess I've, I've got some redemption on that point because I predicted them to do well. And the Big Ten tournament was completely wrong about that, but that was based on just kind of me seeing that they were getting healthy. Thomas is a great coach, has a solid history in March, and here they are again doing doing good things. So that that is the lone uh, good story that still exists in the uh, Sweet 16 for the Big Ten. But but looking at some of the other matchups, you know, FAU is you know if Indiana fans want to rally behind anything in this tournament. If they still can bear to watch it at this point, FAU is probably one of those stories with, you know, people probably come to know the story of Dusty May, a Southern Indiana kid that uh, was an IU basketball manager under Bob Knight, only got the manager role because he used to cut the grass for for Dr. Rink uh, back in the day, and that got him tied into the program. Just an incredible story. And now he's got FAU in the Sweet 16, and it's probably one of the hottest coaching prospects out there uh, that they play Tennessee, but that will be something that, that I'll be watching. And I'm sure a lot of fans will. And then I think those guys pair up with Michigan state. So that that's definitely one of the more interesting ones. Um, you know, UConn played right before Indiana at Albany. So I, I watched a lot of their game on Sunday night. They're, they're an impressive team. I, I can see them, you know, you think about teams that, that are kind of, like I mentioned with Arizona, loaded top to bottom, you know, not a lot of flaws. But that, that's a team that, that I could see doing something down the road. I probably just put the curse on them. They're probably going to get knocked out on <laughs> later this week. Um, uh, you know, teams that just beat Indiana and Miami, um, really disappointed that we didn't get a chance to, to have the Houston-Indiana uh, matchup. That, that was going to be fun. Um, I'm I'm back home after a long, long week in Albany, but but just a chance to to have the the circus around Houston and Indiana. Kelvin Sampson, <laughs> I, I was I was looking forward to that because you know there was going to be so many twists and turns with that. So that, that that's another one that it's unfortunate that we don't get to to have this week. I'm glad you brought up Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, a great guy. He is someone that. I have known <clears throat> on and off over the years at his different stops in college basketball, and it seems like any time he's recruiting someone in southern Indiana, he's always shooting a text. Or uh, I can remember uh, Josh Jefferson at New Albany, I think, was one of the last players I heard from him about when Josh was uh, looking for a new home in college basketball. But he's a guy that is a basketball guy through and through, and it's been so neat to see him have – success and uh, get this breakthrough to go to the Sweet 16. I know there's a lot of people from Greene County, Indiana specifically, that are awful proud of uh, Dusty and some of the successes that he's having. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Anthony Winchester, who's an assistant at Kansas State. Anthony was a Indiana All-Star, just an unbelievable shooter out of Austin High School, 
went on to Western Kentucky, had a great career there. Anthony actually helped me start uh, some of the travel ball stuff that I do, Team Southern Indiana here in this area. So we've had a deep connection for years. And now his younger brother, Tory Winchester, the head coach at New Washington. So those are just two somewhat local connections that I'm aware of in the Sweet 16, so it's hard not to pull for guys like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a neat little tidbit on on the Kansas State assistant that I didn't know. Yeah, and then we got it. You brought it up, Mike. I've got to get you to expand on this, but the Big Ten Conference, one team in the Sweet 16, and it's Dr. Tom Izzo. I think that's what I'm going to start calling him. Uh, just amazing. Uh, it's amazing that Michigan State is there. Not terribly surprised, but it's also to me amazing that the Big Ten Conference, once again, I think you got to rate this as a failure, right? One team in the Sweet 16? I, I think you do, no doubt about it. I mean, obviously the, the headliner is Purdue, and I don't think too many in your audience will have any reservations about calling them a failure this year. I think some might even enjoy that a little bit. Um, but, but beyond that, I mean, obviously you do have to put Indiana in that category as well. Although losing the 4-5 or five game, I mean, I, I view those as, as pretty much a wash. Um, but 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 I'd, take again, take a step back to I, I really believe if, if Indiana had Xavier Johnson all year, I really believe they would have had the roster to make a Sweet 16 and beyond. Um, I don't think there's too many teams that, that you can lose a, a starting guard that had all Big Ten credentials uh, and not not be impacted by it. So you know, I think there's that. That's certainly a big part of their story. Um, but it's you know a disappointing outcome, nevertheless. You know, pr- pretty much everybody else, you know, you, you can look at and say, you know, they they weren't expected to be there. But the, but there is a larger story, no, no no doubt about it. I mean, I think over the last twenty years, even you know, recruiting to to big ten schools. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of high, high-end talent on a consistent basis going to Big Ten schools. Um, you know, some people believe that the officiating has been part of the story in the Big Ten where they allow a more physical style and that doesn't translate to March. I, I think there's something to that, but, you know, that's really murky, hard to quantify. You know, Purdue is, is one of the consistent powerhouses teams during the during the regular season and their style of play clearly doesn't translate in March um, it, it's really interesting fascinating to, to kind of try to dissect why that is you know they one of their more interesting facets is that they've always had a you know, not just a seven footer but a seven and a half footer for the for the last decade and the only year that they made the Elite Eight event was the year that they didn't really have anyone like that. Uh, the, the Carson Edwards year where they, you know, probably should have made the Final Four. So, you know, running into these, you know, high seed teams uh, like Farley Dickinson who are really small and quick uh, doesn't seem to translate at all for Purdue, you know, trying to play that, that seven-footer. And I think it's gotten into their heads a little bit, even. Like, you know, I, I felt like, you know, those guys were reluctant to shoot late in the game. Uh, they, they were playing tight. They were they were scared to miss shots. Um, so a lot of variables going on there. But, but you know, 
Purdue is probably, if Michigan State is a March team, Purdue is kind of the, the opposite of that. Their, their style, what they do, is it's obviously very effective during the regular season, but it doesn't translate to March. Those, those have kind of been the, the two Big Ten powerhouses through, throughout the last, uh, decade, throw Wisconsin in there too. They're, they're, what they're doing doesn't seem to translate very well to March either. So a lot of it's style, officiating, recruiting. There, there's a lot of variables there to, to give you a long-winded answer, but it, it's it's clearly a story at this point. Absolutely, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier. Good stuff on the IU men and women. Thank you so much for the chat. We'll do it again uh, next Tuesday. Okay, Matt. Thank you. Always enjoy it. We've got to get to a commercial break. When we come back, a couple texts from you guys that I want to squeeze on here to close out the program. So quick break, and we're back with more. And to wrap up this Tuesday edition of the program, stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back. Tuesday program. Don't forget if you missed the live show on the Big X, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find us most any place, and you can listen on demand. So appreciate those of you that tune into the Big X. I know we got a lot of terrestrial radio. That's the traditional way to listen, listeners, but a lot that stream the program and some that listen on the podcast. And I always uh, welcome and appreciate all of you. A couple texts on the Thornton's text line to get to. Texter says, is the Johnson girl on Sacred Heart committed to anyone after her outstanding sophomore year? She is amazing. I was wondering if Grace Berger might have a conversation with her about IU with a wink uh, emoji. Um, she's not committed uh, as of a story I found uh, from earlier this month. So I know she had a big state tournament. Sacred Heart, as you mentioned, won a state championship. Donna Moore, they are. Uh, she's a legendary coach in Louisville. That program is unbelievable, and uh, so yeah. But Zakaya Johnson, she is the real deal. I know that Louisville was one of the first to offer her, and I think she's got like I think I read maybe forty some odd Division One offers. So it'll be interesting to see where she goes and if uh, Louisville can hold on uh, to the lead there because of locality. Also. Another texter says, and let me pull the message up. Thankfully, I'm not the only one who asked you for high school coaching banner. I appreciate your positive, uh, optimistic views on high school kids and coaches. I consider you the foremost advocate slash media for our area high school sports. Well, thank you for that comment. The texter goes on to say, Floyd Central is the most overhyped and underachieving school in Clark and Floyd counties in the last 30 years and gets coverage that other schools with similar, if not better, records don't. 
I don't know exactly what you mean there, but to me, athletically, Floyd Central is at the top of the class locally in the Hoosier Hills Conference if you follow the all-sports standings. They either win the boys and girls every year or they're at the top, near the top, much more than some of our other local schools in that conference. I know that maybe you can look at their basketball program and they had a a period of, what, 15 or so or more years where they were really down. Uh, New Albany beat them 20 games in a row. That's never good to lose to your rival 20 times in a row. But the basketball program has improved. I know this past year may have been a, a step back, but... Todd Sturgeon was amazing. They had some great talent. They would have made deep state tournament runs, maybe won a state championship had it not for been for a player named Romeo Lankford. They had the coaching with Ryan Miller as an assistant and Todd Sturgeon as the head coach uh, and all kind of talent with Kobe Barnes and others on the rosters there for a number of years. So I don't know exactly what you mean as far as overrated. High school sports coverage to me, Uh, It's more about where you're at and what your coverage area is. So the Big X, New Albany, Jeff Floyd, they're the big dogs locally. We're going to cover them a lot, win or lose, and uh, follow in with the other schools as well. A lot of local papers and others are going to do the same thing. So just my two cents, but thanks for the text and thanks for the kind words. That wraps things up for Tuesday. Back with you Wednesday here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.